Building better players. Building better games. This is playing the role. Welcome back to Playing the Role. I'm Nathan Stone. With me, as always, is Dylan Joseph Campbell. Hello. And Darcy Robinson. Hello. I'm no longer sounding like I'm in a freaking warehouse. We replaced the old robot Darcy with a new model, and uh, this one sounds far more human. We're really happy (laughs) with it so far. If it's okay with you, Darcy, I kept the old one. We bring them out sometimes for special occasions. What, what, What have you guys done? You don't understand what you've just done. You've kept... There can't be two Darcy's. It's just... It'll cause a time paradox. The sales dude said that would only happen if you two touched. So just don't touch the old Darcy and you're fine. Well, uh, oh. Also, you're both invited to Christmas, so just sit on opposite sides of the table. Well, boys, today we're talking all about flaws and how much fun flaws are. Flaws are so much fun. That is the mantra that I live by for uh, role playing. And uh, we're going to deep dive on uh, giving character flaws, making good character flaws, avoiding bad character flaws, and uh, how you and the GM can kind of work together to to suss out your character a little bit more if you want to add a little bit of spice in there. You don't want a, a bland generic hero you want uh, someone someone with a a few skeletons in the closet we'll uh, cover all of that first though we gotta hit us off with new and noteworthy television 8 news presents bothered about dungeons and dragons the headlines tonight dungeon master and hobgoblins dwarves elves and havelings new and noteworthy dylan i've been Hearing through the grapevine, through uh, a guy named Dylan before the show, that you have some stuff to talk about here. So start us off. Do you have a me robot? Am I a robot? I do. I do <gasps> actually have robots of both of you. Oh no, we're all multiplying. <laughs> we're all. Is there another Nathan that we should know about here? <laughs> You're asking too many questions, now, Darcy. Don't tell him. Don't tell him. Oh, okay. Uh, run. <laughs> Um, I have been doing a weekly session of D&D 5e with this group of three, which I've coalesced together from a bunch of uh, uh, solo games. From a bunch of criminals? I hear the sirens. <sighs> yes, they are. <laughs> they are, and I am. Sorry, I had to. <laughs> they've been going through it. They've, they've currently dedicated themselves to a classic dungeon crawl. It wasn't what I thought they would sort of put all of their uh, eggs in that basket, but they did. And they're very determined to get through this thing. And so last session, they they had spent a better part of six hours, a pretty longer session, going through uh, only about four, five-ish rooms. And uh, we pick up with them leaving the dungeon because they kind of blew all the resources early, uh, doing some, get resting, doing some shopping, and meeting a new party member. And of course, uh, like anything uh, in real life and in, you know, our our tabletop games, nothing's static and the dungeon changes as its inhabitants realize we've just been ransacked. And so a room they hadn't uncovered uh, beyond this cave-in were a bunch of kobolds plotting to take it over. (laughs) (laughs) They just didn't interact with it. So I, I had the kobolds sort of begin making their way through the dungeon while they slept. And as they come in, they deal with this army of, I think, 24 kobolds. (laughs) And... I didn't expect it to be as easy as it was. Uh, and that's fine. Good. An, an easy encounter to make the heroes feel like 
heroes. They feel powerful as you know they cleave through the poor little guys, and they they even they even keep one as a pet. Oh no! <laughs> I will never understand the need of D and D players to adopt small awful creatures. He doesn't want to be a pet. He doesn't no. want to be a pet. <laughs> Neither does the poor goblin that you're basically holding hostage. This is a PSA, by the way. Release your small evil creatures. They don't want to be your pets. It's kind of funny because uh, the uh, the barbarian that who uh, who had died a while back, uh, before he died, he decided in the midst of heated combat to just pick up a rat and keep it as a pet. Tis now. And as you guys know at this point, that's no ordinary rat. <laughs> it was just a cranium rat that was just staring at it from a distance and he charmed it. So it's almost like a rite of passage in a way. There's always that one party member that does that. Uh, they they kept the kobold. One of them is a warlock and they, they wanted to indoctrinate it into their cult. And they... It, it kind of, it almost got a bit too brutal to this poor little thing where it went from a pet to something far more dark. And I'm like, okay, Cobalt pass what? out. You're going to throw it in your bag and we're going to, we're going to deal with this later. They, they continue through the rest of the dungeon and they, 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 they uh, are trying to find these idols to open this door at the very end of it. And they're very curious what's behind it. They fight a wraith, which nearly uh, wrecks them, but they persevere. And continue forward, and enter in. And I, I, I've prepared way too much. I think this is a twenty-four layer room dungeon, not layer room dungeon, and for a bunch of fourth-level characters, that's substantial. So they come in. Um, I have this whole this whole little fetch quest subplot. Uh, this little elemental is sapient. He speaks. He's like, my friends have been locked in here because I wanted to safeguard this relic, but it's been taken away. And just to kind of give the dungeon some history. And while I was making this, and before I ran it, uh, this part of the dungeon, I had uh, sought confidence at Darcy to sort of uh, tell me if I was going a bit overboard with some of the things I was doing. Which, for the most part, he wasn't. It was actually really interesting hearing all this plotted out. I feel like I went a bit too trap-heavy. A lot of traps. And uh, I, I, I did some research, and I sort of realized uh, a key thing. And I had a few pitfalls here and there, literally pitfalls. Uh, and I said to myself uh, during the night uh, before the session, what is the point of this? What does this pitfall accomplish? And why, what happened? The players fall in it. Cool. <laughs> then what? They take damage? Who cares? That's not dramatic. That's not interesting. That's boring and annoying. And traps uh, should keep a player on their toes and should create intrigue. And so that's what I did going forward. I went overboard with one trap later in the dungeon, which was a, a rolling sphere that came down from the ceiling past a hallway of swinging scythes. <laughs> <laughs> at, at the end of the hallway was a, was, a, was a closed portcullis they would have to lift up to get through. And it was a bit too much of a recipe for disaster. So Darcy helped me out there, sort of talked me out of it. Anyway, it went fine. It, it chewed through some of their hit points, but they were enjoying some puzzle boxes, some unique loot, and they they eventually came to one of the one of the penultimate rooms, which where they uh, they could hear breathless murmurs from the other side, this chanting, and they were they were exhausted, their resources spent once again, and so like okay, let's take a short rest in the hallway outside of the room. I'm like okay, sure, you do that. 
15 minutes later, the chanting stops. Through the door, into the hallway they're resting in, shambles a zombie. What do they do? They fight it. Immediately, uh, bare arms and charge towards it, hacking it. Little did they know, or they did know because they did some scouting, but what they didn't fully understand in the, the next room over was a white, a ghoul, two skeletons, and ten zombies. They almost died. Because they didn't, not only did they not run, they stayed there and they were devising ways to win the encounter, which is totally possible. And so they're like, let's lure them into this choke where we can funnel them. Great. The white calls out to them, taunting them, calling them cowards, and offering to parlay. One of the players says, that's a lie. The other players go, well, let's see if it is, and walk (laughs) into the room. (laughs) sewing drama (laughs) they are then ambushed and nearly put down the barbarian to the point it's funny barbarians have a track record of being the first to go despite being the tankiest yep Um, (laughs) can vouch i i i have this system where a hero can call on their sort of inner inner uh, source of heroics and stay alive a little bit longer but take a nasty wound or scar And a player does so. The ghoul rakes its claws across him. He's at one hit point. He goes down, but calls upon it, loses some fingers in the process, but he's still up. The ghoul has multi-attack. It attacks again. He has to bank on it missing. It doesn't. It plunges its tongue around and down his throat and rips part of him out. The barbarian is dying. He's surrounded by zombies and a white, and his allies are in the hallway across the way. It's the barbarian's turn. He gets to roll a saving throw. Natural 20. He gets up, runs out, and they flee. I did not expect that night to be as tense as it was. They loved it, though. They had a lot of fun. I bet they did. Losing was fun. Dude, that sounds so fun. I feel like I did an okay job. It was a bit hard. It wasn't an easy encounter, but it taught them a lot of things to always keep a keen eye and be proactive. Keeping them on their toes. Keep them on their toes, right? There is risk for reward. You delving this place has garnered you many objects. One of the items they got was this thing called a mimir, which is this floating skull that can tell you lore about anything. And they, they had unlocked this puzzle box. So this is one of many. They got an amulet of health, which boosts their constitution. Items that typically fourth level characters would be hard-pressed to find, all because they took that risk. And while it almost cost them their lives, they realized their mistakes and fled to live another day. They also got lucky, but I don't want to kill <laughs> yeah, players. Yeah, and that 20 doesn't come very uh, <laughs> very easily. Anyway, that game's been going good. Very excited to see what they do next session, if they dare try to enter the Carrion Crypts again. I hope they do. Because from what you've told me, there's a lot more to those crypts that you haven't, that you haven't revealed to them yet. <laughs> Great story. That was a lot of fun to listen to. Also, I love the fact that your your players lost and they still had a great time. And it just goes to show that not much like winning, not all losing is the same, right? You 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 can have those those moments where you go down in defeat, but you live to fight another day. You you carry the scars, you learn the lessons, and it just makes it more exciting the next time you go in. Because until you have that moment, I think in games like Dungeons and Dragons, where you do almost die, the stakes don't quite feel that real. 
But then you're a few sessions in, you're really attached to the character, you've got this neat loot, you're digging this this story or this adventure or this dungeon crawl, and then all of a sudden, uh, you get your fingers ripped off by a ghoul. And like, that's, yeah, I love that. And I love that that only deepened their immersion in the game, right? It's it's so good to see. Darcy, how about you? I actually, a pretty big thing, couple things happened. Uh, but the first thing that I want to talk about is relevant to like, you know, not all losing uh, is not fun. But some of it is. Uh, and I have actually taken a big step in that. And despite thinking it over a lot, uh, I have officially retired my favorite character that I have ever played. Lazarin Dreamender Kulumekali is no more. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sorry. That name, the name got me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a I, Goliath I, name. I apologize. Sorry. Do go on. <laughs> um, recently, the um, my DM had, had decided to switch from like a, you know, a biweekly uh, campaign to a monthly campaign just to give himself some time after the little bit of a nightmare scenario during this tournament arc that I have been, uh, well, quite chuffed about throughout the, the, the this podcast. <laughs> we just had our last session with that recently. It just felt hollow after the essential assassination of my whole journey. And I'm like, this isn't the same. I can't do this. So yesterday I talked to my DM. I said, hey, I can't do this anymore. This isn't fun for me anymore. And I just can't get back into this character. I do not know what to do with Lazarin anymore. That's hard. That's a really hard conversation to have with your DM and for you to even you know, cross your mind, like, wait, all this time and I'm not having fun. And that sucks for a DM too, to hear that from a player. I've had players tell me that, that it's like, hey, DM, this isn't fun. And that means ultimately you have failed. You have failed at your job to provide a good time with these people. And, you know, age old proverb, no game is better than a bad game or a game that's not fun. And I had the misfortune of experiencing that. And while any of any other characters that I've played in the past that have been dropped from campaigns, it's just because the campaign fell apart. This is the first time that I've actually taken that step and actually sat down with my DM and been like, Hey, I, I got to stop. And it was hard because like he was planning on wrapping up the entire campaign within the next, like, you know, the next arc we would have gone through. It was like final boss time after this tournament arc, essentially. But I could not keep going with that. Just with all the uncertainty and whatnot, like, what do I do with this character now? I don't know. It's And it's just more of an aneurysm to think about than to keep going with it. So I'm going out with a bit of a spectacle. I don't want to just say like, hey, I'm done. 
<laughs> I've decided to go out with uh, with pizzazz and put on a show, as it were, so that I can have like, and my DM agreed to like, okay, I'll let you go out however the hell you want. The floor is yours. Oh, classic Darcy. Always a spectacle. <laughs> Knowing Darcy, he yeeted his character through a portal into some random other person's game that he just met so that he can experience the delight of being an absolute outsider just dropped in there. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh God, I'm Damn not it, wrong. Nathan, you've opened a can of worms. Uh, <laughs> That's that's not what hat that's that's not mm-hmm. what was planning mm-hmm. on ha- that's not what was happening, but I wanted to I wanted to bring this up be, uh, because at the end of at the end of our last episode, you said something that really struck a chord with me, and so I ended up looking through all of the characters that I had made within the past few years somehow. Almost every single one of these was the fucking fish out of water story. Floppy fish. Floppy fish I, you are. You fucking slapped me in the face with a fish on this and it was the fish out of water story. <laughs> uh, I, I looked back because like thinking about it, Lazarin, for example, he's a he was a big old musclehead Goliath who never left his mountain going out into the outside world to learn things and to... To win his, to to win the elections, become the next leader. Uh, my uh, my little centaur boy Timaeus, he was a he, he left his he left his life as a soldier to to essentially uh, <laughs> learn about the world of goblins and help them gain a fucking foothold in the world. <laughs> um. My my boy Gilvin in Mother of the Sea He's never left his corpse tree before, and is in the big city. Little little half elf in the big city, fucking Zaruk, literal space goblin, as you've said. I, how is this possible? So many fish! Look at all those fish you Look got. Look at all those fish you're that you're slapping me with. Way. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I'm so. <laughs> That's that actually stunned me at the end of that. I firstly, I love that. Secondly, I think it is just that when you role play for long enough, you start to have a type, right? Just like people have a type that they're attracted to, you have a type of character that you make. And even when you don't mean to make that character, you still kind of make that character. And I, now, Darcy, yours is is quite a list of examples. For mine, I can think of at least four or five characters that I've made that were either healers or doctors in some regard. Wait, and yeah, no, it's and that's my thing. And some even when I don't mean to make that character, I often make that character. So it's it's not. I don't think you're unique in that you have a type because I think any role player that role plays long enough kind of finds a niche and then just kind of gravitates towards it. No surprise. Last three characters, wizards. Wizards. Oh yeah. Last three characters. Holy shit. Okay. Intelligence all above 10. Always, always the planner. Always the thinker. Yeah. So don't feel too bad. You, you just, you just know what you like, Darcy. (laughs) (laughs) And it's fish. 
Then it's fish. It's fish. Oh, the fish. I officially rebrand to Darcy the Fishmonger. Excellent. <laughs> oh, fish. We'll get you some business cards. Oh, f- oh God damn it, Dylan. I love that. <laughs> officially. <laughs> Can I... <laughs> Can I just insert random fish puns into my everyday sentence? Do you mean no one's going to stop you? <laughs> Probably. Oh my goodness. That's that, that's just who I am now. Um, but you know, it's funny that you mentioned fish because I have one more story to tell. Okay. Well, you didn't tell us what you were going to do with uh, your character. True. Okay. Yeah. I interrupted you and then five minutes later, here we are. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah <laughs> fair enough. I had to go on that tangent, but um. No, my plan to go out was simply our paladin was also affected by the effect of the events of the nightmare scenario in the tournament arc. He wanted to his essentially it was his dream to become a patron of some sort. Uh, and he was given a test by the gods, a holy rite and said it's like, win the tournament and you'll have it in. All you have to do is not get involved with any of what your friends have going on. And of course he told the God to fuck off. But at that point, his entire reason for winning the tournament was kind of knocked out of him. So he ended up making it to the final round and then he forfeited. Thus giving up on his dream as, as a bit of a convoluted plot here. I'm what I'm planning on doing. I'm essentially going to be making a heel turn, making it look like, you know, I've, I was the one that uh, been this grand conspiratorial leader and tried to destroy the arena with everything in it. Holy shit. This is this is Vince McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin. The uh, (laughs) it was me, Austin. It It was was me me all along, along. Austin. (laughs) That's essentially what I want to do. Essentially baiting my paladin into fighting me and losing. Um, just to give him that legend of, you know, cause the whole thing that I want to hammer home to him is like, you know, you don't need some divine test to become a patron. All deities were, were, were men once that were just given followings through legends. And I wanted to give him that legend on my way out. Be like, you know, you saved the arena and everybody in it from this tyrant who wanted to kill them all and start war. When in reality, and then of course, on my way out, you know, when I lose all of it, that's when I'll hit him with the heartfelt speech. Just like, you got to keep going, man. I did this for you, but I can't go on. (laughs) So you do what I couldn't, man. You're my fucking bro. And then boop, that's it. I'm gone. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe paraphrasing a little bit, but yeah, this is a hundred percent a wrestling arc. I love what you're doing here. This is one hundred percent right straight out of the WWE playbook. Yeah, I'm I'm here for it all day, every day. Oh, that's that's going to be the end because, and again, tying back to my long ass Goliath name, the name given to him because Goliaths have a like have a middle name that's given to them. And his name was Dream Mender. So it's like, on my way out, I've always been a Dream Mender. I want to mend your dream too, buddy. <laughs> and the crowd goes wild and they <laughs> cheer and they sob. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. 
That was that was my misadventures. <laughs> well, as usual, I have far less than you two. Uh, I I do have uh, I, I have been working a little bit on my my planned game, which is is nice, which is uh, the Miss Atomic Bomb, which I think I mentioned on the show a couple episodes ago or a few episodes ago. And my plan right now, because it's it's looking like I'll have a fairly quiet ish, you know, Christmas break. Um, between all of the podcasts doing a little bit of a break and then my, my clients doing breaks and stuff. So what I, my plan is to finish this off and then start running it sometime in the new year, probably late January, uh, early February, and then do kind of, I was thinking four to six sessions, roughly. That's, that's kind of what I think it should take to get from, beginning point to end point here because it's just a, a little noir mystery in uh, 50s Vegas so it, it should be a lot of fun oh hells yeah I think that sounds great the the big thing of course is just trying to get all my ducks in a row for a mystery because when you're planning out a mystery game you really want to like make sure you've got all of your little strings to all of your little pictures on your cork board oh goodness yeah because the the <laughs> players are going to think of are going to go off in like a thousand directions that you haven't thought of. So it's, uh, it does take, I think a little bit more planning than, than my usual fare, which is somewhat mystery, somewhat more just kind of, I don't want to say monster of the week, but encounter situation of the week is, is what I like to do a lot of the times. And those, those ones tend to have an overarching plot, but they're each one is more compartmentalized. This one is going to be kind of a, a just a full on story. I'm still going to try and work in each session has a bit of a theme to it, but I can't really gauge where the players are going to take their investigation. So it's hard for me to be like, oh, this will happen this time. Right. So, yeah, for something like that, you'd have to you'd have to make sure as well that you have players who are that proactive uh, and make sure that they that they're doing stuff and actively trying to solve this mystery. And that alone could take you in a number of directions. Yeah. The nice thing is that anyone that I'm inviting to this is I've I've role played the, with them before or I know how they role play. It's not it's not something that I would invite random people to. My games generally aren't because they're they're not the classic type of stuff but this one uh this one i'm very excited about because I, it's the first time that i've really tackled what i want to be uh a proper mystery right where it's the whole campaign revolves around who done it why and kind of bringing those people to justice maybe who uh what system is it so i'm using uh just the basic world of darkness system so this isn't this is kind of the base that vampire the masquerade hunter werewolf all of those games are built on this is your basic bare bones one so there is actually a, a world of darkness rule book for making humans regular old humans that have no special powers nothing nothing like that you, you don't get anything you get nothing, sir. Good day. And that's what I use because it's really a great base to jump off from, right? It's a nice diving board. And then I'm going to add a few little things to it as well and then make it a little bit more error appropriate. So 
for example, Worlds of Darkness includes stuff like computer use as a skill. Obviously, I'm going to replace that with something that's a little bit more uh, appropriate to to a 1950s game type of thing. And I might add certain skills for it, uh, things like espionage, stuff like that, because each of the players for this game, one of the things that I, I like to do and helps with theming is all of the characters you get, you make, you make the, the person that you want, the human that you want to be. But in this case, you're going to be an FBI agent. You are a team ah. of FBI agents. You have been sent to, uh, Vegas to deal with a murder of one of the, uh, scientists from, uh, Los Alamos, basically the, the, you know, the nuclear test sites. And so in that way, yeah, it's, it's kind of my, my usual MO of making sure that the characters all have a reason to be together and all have it are at least acquaintances before the game starts. And, uh, it, it helps, I think, focus too, right? Like if, if people have this role, because I'm going to ask you why you became an FBI agent, I'm going to ask you, you know, why this branch like why do you or don't you want to go out on this job type of thing right and i you kind of build the character out from that starting point have you considered the idea because if they're all fbi agents sort of like archetypes to round out the group yes yes i'm actually glad you you brought that up i wasn't gonna talk about it but it's it's something that i'm gonna discuss there's gonna be basically um stuff like agent um, inspector. And these are just kind of, yeah, those archetypical names. Uh, there's going to be, there's going to be one for everything. So there's going to be your, your guy who is most likely to have been maybe an ex soldier from world war two or something comes back, you know, doesn't, can't really get any peace anywhere. And maybe is, it becomes a, an FBI agent, but is, you know, has those violent tendencies, has that training from his military days. I would love to have someone who's very bookish, right? And being more of an investigator and, and having those skills, uh, those kind of hard skills. And I'd love to have someone who is kind of maybe ex, uh, ex small town police and who is a little folksy maybe, and maybe has, uh, has some of the social skills. So I, I do want people to base, I, I'm going to provide archetypes. I don't think I'm going to force people to use them. But I think there might be bonuses and drawbacks for each of those archetypes. And then just let, if it was something that you were already thinking of anyway, just a, a nice little way to round out your character. Like maybe if you're the, maybe if you're the agent type, like the, the, the real no nonsense motherfucker, you know, you get bonuses to intimidate bonuses to brawl. Um, but maybe you're, you're just not the most empathetic person in the world anymore. <laughs> yeah. Right. So maybe you get penalties to that. And uh, this is all stuff that's it's still brewing in my head, but that's kind of where I'm going. That's always impressed me, Nathan. But real quick, your ability to um, create so much for what is supposed to be so little. Seven sessions and you already have this much. Oh, my God. <laughs> Honestly, it's pretty wild that you're able to do that. I, I'm an over planner in certain ways. A lot of it I leave to improv in situations, but I really like to especially get my ducks in the row for the where the who the why is kind of the big ones for me. And then beyond that, I can only plan for so much. 
Um, but I really enjoy, I'm not, I'm not a game designer at heart. Like I don't love numbers and, and like playing with math, that kind of thing, but I do love flavor. And one of the things that I think adds flavor to what is a a fairly basic rule set, right? Like this is base world of darkness. You're not getting any cool vampire powers. You're not getting any cool zombie shit, werewolf stuff. It's that I can add those, those little flourishes that just make your character feel different than everybody else's. And that's all you really need, I think, right? Like, it's just just that feeling of, oh, yeah, like, I am, you know, I'm a human, but I'm also really good at this one thing. And I'm also really bad at one th- this other <laughs> thing. So we'll see how it all plays out. But, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to to start that uh, in the new year. And because I am Jones and man. I need a fix so bad. Oh, I'm, oh gosh. I'm missing. I, I'm missing. I understand. We all feel that in certain degrees right now, I feel like. One thing I wanted to point out real quick is that it's funny you say you you say you like flavor, which means you definitely married the right woman. <laughs> yeah, if you've ever true. seen this man's wife cook anything, oh my goodness. Uh it's I do say she's the only reason I have friends, and uh, I'm not <laughs> sure that that's wrong. Uh, it, it tends to be uh, people come over to my house and they're like, oh, actually, we do like you. Yeah, you're great. You're great. And it's always after they've uh, tasted Dee's cooking. So we'll, uh, <laughs> it's it's a good system. For what it's worth, I liked you before that. Oh, <laughs> thanks, So there you go. <laughs> All right, guys, we got to move on to talking about being bad at stuff and why it's really important for your character to be bad at things. Like we're bad at keeping things short. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Listen to me very carefully. It's the discussion. Bro, what are you talking about, man? Listen up. Welcome to the discussion. Today's discussion is all about flaws and what flaws can do for your character to round your character out, to make them more interesting to both you, the party, and the story overall, that that plot that you are, are writing together with the DM. And I just kind of want to set the scene for people because this is probably the thing that I am most evangelical about in role-playing. Because it's it's one of the biggest things that I see in new players that kind of don't know how to play to the storytelling aspects of RPGs is and and this is kind of I I don't blame D and D for this but I don't not blame D and D for this as well because D and D is at its heart more of a superhero game these days right you you are a superhero you get phenomenal cosmic powers to to play with right you don't start off that way if you're starting at level one but you will get there to reality altering uh mega deadly characters and a lot of players when when i see them and a lot of it's memes and shit as well right i I don't think everyone's this bad when they start out but a lot of characters make superman because you're going to end up with Superman. You might as well start where you're going to end up, right? You you start with this this perfect whatever it is. And, and I don't mean perfect as like farm boy actual Superman stuff, but I mean without any obvious weaknesses. The 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 classic min-max, right? I do what I do so perfect. And the other things I don't do, I don't care about cuz I don't do them. And while that is mechanically 
a very good choice. It's an it's an optimal choice. It's an optimization. And a lot of people are into the number side of the game and they will tend towards that optimization. The problem with this is that those characters are boring. They're boring as a rock. Like there's nothing to them. There's just, there's nothing there. And the best way I can illustrate this for for our listeners is to go with that that superhero analogy. And it's the difference between Superman and Spider-Man. Superman is probably the the strongest of all the heroes. I don't want to get into like a superhero debate because I I don't care about superheroes. I think they're boring. But Superman was kind of the OG, right? Born in the 30s. He was this this dude came from space. He was good at everything. He had powers every week. He had a new power to fix whatever problem he had. But then as comics matured, we started getting other characters. And Superman was very quickly he was always popular, but he was never as popular, especially moving through into the latter half of the 20th century, as some of the these newer heroes, and especially the Marvel heroes. Marvel came along and they, they changed the game. And they changed the game by changing what we thought of as a superhero. And the best and most popular superhero probably on the planet is Spider-Man. He just is. He's, he's a juggernaut, right? A million games, a million movies. And he, you know, he keeps getting reimagined. He keeps getting reborn, right? There's a whole Spider-Verse of Spider-Mans. A million different forms now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So why does Spider-Man get all of this attention? And Superman, like, he's kind of an afterthought. Like, you know, there's still Superman fans. There's the odd Superman movie with the sweet mustache CGI'd out. (laughs) But the reason behind this is because when you get right down to it, Superman isn't relatable. Superman isn't a man. He's not human. And and very literally and, and figuratively, he doesn't have flaws. He doesn't have things that we can say, oh, that's so me about, right? Unless you are like the perfect Giga Chad, you're not relating to Superman at all. But Spider-Man, Spider-Man is a fucking doofus. And that's what makes him great. That's what makes him lovable. That's why you want to read his comics. Because Peter Parker, if you're reading OG Spider-Man, in his life, is a loser. He's a loser. And Reading that and and seeing the way that, yes, he is super strong, he is super fast, he has all these incredible spider powers, powers I don't think real spiders even have, But (laughs) but what makes him great as a hero is because sometimes he fucks up, sometimes he fucks up so bad, and he is his own worst enemy, and in his life, you know, he's he's the reporter, he's the, the kid that can't catch a break. Right. He he loses all the time. And even as Spider-Man, he's not always able to you know protect the people that he loves. And that is much, much better storytelling. It's so much more real, right, because we we play these games as an escape. But if it's too alien to us, we can't get into it. We can't get as immersed. Right. Dylan. You gave us the absolute perfect example today with your your story. Your players got fucked. You're, you lost fingers, um, had a ghoul tongue down their throat, which I f- feel like can't be very comfortable. Uh, got 
got beaten, got beaten and had to run away. And this was their first taste of defeat. But what it did was it made those characters more real. So now, not only do they have this sense of mortality around these characters, these characters now have more of a reason to exist in this world, whether that be revenge, whether that be growing stronger so that someday, you know, they, th- this will never happen again. Do they question what, what they were doing? Do they, do they make some changes? It opens up a world of possibilities just from a, a, a single defeat, a single ill-timed idea, right? They created this flaw through their reasoning, right? This isn't a, a flaw that they baked into this character. They just made a mistake. But that provided development. Mm-hmm. That's growth, children. And that is that is what makes stories stories. You can't, if a character starts a story in one place and finishes it in the same place, I don't want to read that story. That's boring. Like, I don't care if they went from being able to bench press 300 pounds to being able to bench press a planet. That's not good storytelling, right? I care about the stuff that happens in between those two things. I care about the defeats. I care about those, those humbling moments. And having them happen organically is so great. Right. That's that's the perfect thing to have happen. But we can also build some of those things into the characters from the beginning, both in terms of things that have already happened in the backstory and things that we can fall back on as flaws, but then also potential flaws, which maybe haven't come to the surface yet. But through the story gives the GM the opportunity to introduce these things and then us to play through it and see does the character overcome this flaw? Does this flaw consume them, right? There's there's two great storytelling things that humans love, and you'll see them throughout classic literature to literature today. Firstly, overcoming the odds. Perfect, right? That that is the the classic story. It doesn't always have to be an underdog story, but often it is. It's it's over the odds are stacked against you and you find a way through it. That is a 101 storytelling. The second thing that we love as humans is a fall from grace. The fall from grace. And Darcy, this ties into your story about your character. The fall from grace can be just as satisfying as overcoming the odds, depending on where our character is, right? Pride cometh before the fall. It's a classic, classic saying. And it just means that when we, we, we're funny humans, because when, when someone's an underdog, We root for them. We root for them to make it. And then when we've made it, when they've made it, we often turn on them (laughs) and we're just like, oh, this uppity person, right? And then if there's a fall that comes after it, oh, don't we eat it up? Don't we eat it up? These are the, the situations that make drama. These are the situations that make stories. And that's why each and every character that you make should have that potential. It doesn't have to be big things. It can be little things, little hubris, right? Things that you can twist, things that you can make, things that you can give to your GM. Give your GM the tools to build you up and break you down and then ride that wave, right? Because that's where the great storytelling that happens, that's where you're going to fall in love with that character is in those moments of hardship or in that rise or in that fall. Because all of those things, that is how great stories are made. 
So thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Uh, that was the kind of the thing I wanted to set here. And um, if you guys have more to add to that, please jump in. But uh, uh, really where I wanted to go was a discussion on how we add those those flaws to our characters, either to as, as GMs, to, to our, our NPCs, to our supporting cast, or as players, when we're designing a character, how do we fit those in, right? How do we set those up? That's always something that I think of first when it comes to a character. Because the last thing I want in any sort is to suddenly, you know, create the next ebony darkness dementia raven way. <laughs> uh, nobody wants to read My Immortal. They want to watch... <laughs> they want to see an actual story with that. So that's always the first thing I kind of think of. Like, what... What brings this person down? Like, of course, I come up with a concept, but like, how how does this person not, you know, the most powerful thing ever? And that's and that's where I like to start. What's and to make a flaw, you gotta focus on something that actually holds them back, and it's it can't just be some, you know, oh some trivial thing that doesn't affect them in any ways. It has to, it has to matter. Like, for example, if you make a character that's, you know, completely indestructible and you give them, say, amnesia, well, motherfucker, they're still indestructible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) You got to think about that. So like, that's where I start to think, okay, where does this, how, how can I make a story out of this? And for the uh, soon-to-be late Lazarin here, I'll use that as an example. You know, I started, you know, he's a, he grew up a muscle head. He grew up thinking, you know, fighting was everything. And then he discovered books and then locked himself away in a cave for years and as a result he has no idea what the outside world is like he has no idea how to even converse with people properly he is by all intents and purposes a dork which you know he doesn't understand how anything works how the hell is this man going to be a leader with this (laughs) uh and i guess the short answer is he's not but even before then it's the journey of, you know, is combat even all that important in the end? You know, muscles might not mean everything. Perhaps the better, like, that's that could build something from there. And suddenly you have this quest of, like, you know, should I fight or should I think? And that was literally a choice Lazarin was presented with. Do you follow the path of you know, blood and carnage and fight your way to the end? Or do you follow the path of knowledge and uh, and intellectualism? And so that, that having a major turning point. And from there, you know, maybe I, uh, you know, Maybe that's the best power of them all is knowledge. And that suddenly becomes, you know, I can do this better and I can use that ultimately 
too. There's other ways for me to become a leader that rather than just fighting. And it creates this whole arc. That's makes for an interesting story for that is when you is, you know, it's a good place to start. I think, you know, have an archetype in mind and then think like, okay, now how do I make them suck? <laughs> to put it bluntly. <laughs> um, that's, that's what I, that's what I like to think of here. Whenever I make uh, a character or even an NPC to that degree for NPCs, especially a lot of the time, I'll just think like, okay, what is like, how could I make this NPC just <laughs> fucking pathetic and, <laughs> and work from there? Cause you know, a lot of the time when NPCs are encountered by a party of, you know, strong people and whatever, it's not, it's kind of weird to introduce them to, you know, like this, even this flawless NPC in that regard. Um, but if the NPC is like freaked out by the party's demeanor, uh, one such example was something that, uh, was in our first session of Dylan's campaign, the Sanguine Ordeal, just had this little, uh, this little, uh, carriage driver came into town and sudden and he was he was just an ordinary dude but uh when he met the rest of the party and entered their first encounter dude was scared shitless and it's like what the hell is going on what are you people <laughs> and it's just it was so much it was so fun and people pitied this poor guy but it's like you know we'd like to keep you around and he's like I don't know, man. <laughs> you guys are weird. <laughs> and he was so freaked out. And that, that easily skittishness of it, like, you know, the flaw made him so pathetic at that that we <laughs> wanted to cheer for him in that regard. When uh, new people play tabletop games, they want to make their ideal self. They want to live their ideal fantasy in whatever way that is. And a lot of the times we see that pitfall of them make that Mary Sue, right? This is me, but not only better, but cooler and more awesome and smart and fast. And a great way I find to uh, challenge newer players and to get them thinking in that aspect of this is a person who has who is very troubled, right? Especially if you're an adventurer in a typical fantasy world, you're nuts for going out and doing this. You're insane. You could be in your hamlet making bread and churning cheese, but no, no, you're swinging swords and killing things, you loon, is whatever method your system uses for getting your the statistics of your character, you will always have a low number. The lowest number, it doesn't matter what it is. Some people, you know, they roll great, but even a 10, an 8, a 5, a 3, there's your justification for your flaw. There is your, there, you grab onto this, I make a character, I have this really no number, ah, I'll just throw it in this stat and forget about it. No, no, no. That's an opportunity for you to give your character a very tangible and represented by the big low number on your sheet, I am bad at this thing. And this is going to impact me for a while. And the same way you are bad at it, you can eventually be good at it. Because flaws, they're great but they also change. They are not static. You as a person develop over time. And so you get to think as you level up or as the, the game continues, how you want your flaws 
to either develop, worsen, or even resolve and gain new ones. That's a great way of showing and humanizing people by giving them progression and depth. Finally, you can have this character come to terms with this, you know, crippling addiction that has persisted throughout the whole game and really, really tugged on the strings of your group's sort of togetherness. Or you can have them sink deeper. What matters ultimately is what is engaging for the story and the table. Uh, Nathan, you mentioned Superman and Spider-Man. Comic book characters. Great example, by the way. I was enthralled with that oh, thank whole you. topic. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's important to remind ourselves, as dungeon masters, as game masters, as players, we're not professional writers. We're just people who have a hobby and like doing it. And oftentimes can be very opinionated on it, which is good. Be opinionated on the things you like. But don't hold yourself to ungodly standards. Try your best to get that verisimilitude of something that's fake to feel real, right? We're not expecting you to be a professional at making bad people, not bad people morally, but just people who suck at doing things. But try, please, for the love of God, try and do not make a guy who's invincible but can't read. That doesn't matter. (laughs) Exactly! Exactly! (laughs) That doesn't make any lick of sense. You know, I want to... I want to pinpoint an example of one of my one of my favorite protagonists of all time, and that is Monkey D. Luffy from the anime One Piece. The dude is crazy strong, but he's so like inept at so at at socializing or at thinking that he often falls into a lot of traps, and he gets stuck a lot. But he finds ways to persevere and still ends up so much stronger for it and keeps persevering despite just being thrown into the utter doldrums. This this guy gets knocked around to hell and back uh, despite, you know, having a body made completely of rubber, like... He's not invincible. People still beat the ever-loving shit out of him. But he doesn't let that stop him. He tries to find a way around it and to protect the ones that he loves in any in any way that he can. Uh, and all with the simple the simple dream of like, you know, becoming king of the pirates. That's all he wants to do, but ultimately, it's he's so much more because he just keeps getting himself into these situations due to his own freaking stupidity a lot of the time. You know, someone will say, you know, maybe we should keep a low profile, maybe not do a whole lot in this town in this, I don't know, town made of candy, for example, and he would probably go and eat eat a bunch of stuff. And it's like, mmm, this stuff is delicious. What are you talking about? Oh, hello, guards. <laughs> 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 and it just snowballs from there. But it's because of that that he gets himself into a lot of trouble and gets him fighting some 
really, really powerful opponents as a result. Just he just gets himself into shit. Um, but you love to see how he grows from it and all of that. And that's that's why he's one of my favorites. Yeah, and that to me, and again, I'm I don't know the the character of the series very well, but like I can see the the parallels between that and a character like Spider-Man, right? Where yeah, you're 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 strong. You, you've got all these things. You don't always make the best decisions. And, you know, you, you've got these hang ups. You, you, you just can't seem to get out of your own way in certain ways. And I think this this kind of boils down to I wanted to talk about the types of flaws that you can give characters. So, Dylan, you made a fantastic point with D&D, right? You've got that character sheet. You've got those stats. You can see where your weakest point is, right? It's It's given to you right there. And you can come up with with something that ties into that. The three categories that I always think of are physical flaws. So actual physical weaknesses or limitations. And as an example of this, I did a sci-fi game a long time ago with, uh, with some friends. And I wanted to make a character in that game that was just completely fucked up. I have been... I, I'm a guy who will pile on as many flaws as the the gm lets me until they say okay there want to slow down and i'm like okay fine uh so this guy i think we were playing d uh d20 modern was the system but it was a like a sci-fi setting on a on board a ship and we were coming out of stasis and so my character was a uh kind of a, a rich rich brat who uh, in, in the previous planet, so we were flying between planets and he had done, uh, basically everyone lived in these giant, um, monolithic structures and because the, the planet otherwise was super uninhabitable, kind of awful desert environment. And on a dumb dare, he had gone out and basically did a, like a walk along the, the side of, of one of these things without the proper safety equipment. Um, and his, his rebreather had like gotten torn off and he inhaled basically this glass dust. Uh, and it just, it completely messed him up. He lost like, and then of course he got cut and everything. He lost an eye, lost, um, uh, like his, his lungs are just shot. And so this character, I, I told my friend, okay, I've rolled. He's got five hit points because we're starting at like level one. He's got five hit points. He's never going to gain hit points. It's not going to happen. And uh, so, you know, you get the wide eye a little bit. And then like he thinks about it and he's like, all right, all right. And uh, <laughs> and so as the game went on and, and so much of my character was kind of like cybernetic replacements, of course, because his family was rich. Um, but the cybernetics, right, like they more they're more life support than anything. But as they're going through this this adventure through this this weird ship, and as like he's you know they're they're doing things, stuff starts breaking stuff there, and he he starts you know having to do these like jury rig repairs on himself. And I, one of the best moments though was he he ended up like I, I he knows how to kind of fix himself right like he's learned those skills uh, at least to his cybernet components. There was a um, one of the the girls in the group. Her character it was it was me and her together. She got injured and knocked unconscious and the like my character he's not a he's not a doctor this time and so he the only thing he knows how to do is 
kind of build these cybernetics. So he does some of that to her while she's unconscious. And like he's because she he's trying to help. And then like she she wakes up and she sees, sees like that it, and she's got these and just the the sheer drama that went from that was was incredible. But that's kind of like the the physical flaws. And I, I really like those. And I think those limitations can be a lot of fun. Definitely pick your setting though. We we knew that this setting was going to be more running away from monsters than fighting monsters, right? If you're doing base D and D, you don't want to be yet five hit points for the rest of your <laughs> campaign. Uh, I want to say before you continue, uh, that glass dust that you mentioned—that's a real natural occurrence that happens in the world. It's called lays. It's uh, <laughs> it's like. It happens when like lava hits water. I think that's what our GM based it on, and was just like, mm. "Yeah, like a ma- like." And, and I was just like, "What if I breathe that in a bunch?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's, I just wanted to throw that out there because that is a real thing, and that that attention to detail that you <laughs> you had for that is uh, quite spe- uh, quite awesome. But anyways, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. so that and then you can do mental flaws, of course, and this is something that I think was more prevalent back in the day and especially with like white wolf games white wolf games would give you and i i don't know about current white wolf games i'm not, I'm not up on that my version of white wolf is old but what would happen would be you could take various mental illnesses you could take things that were like hallucinations those kind of things um and then there's there's kind of the D method where you, you take that dump stat and intelligence and you're just a walking brick that happens too. the the mental ones you kind of want to be more careful of. I mean, definitely the thinking on it's changed. It used to be played more for laughs. I don't know if you guys remember. I know you're not into World of Darkness at all, but there's something called the fish milk to bring it back to fish, which is apparently a theme <laughs> of today's episode. So in Vampire the Masquerade, there is a clan of vampires called Malkavians. And uh, basically, their their blood is bad. They when when you become a Malkavian vampire, something breaks, right? Some wires get twisted, and basically, you you get some kind of mental illness from this. And and so, in the rules, it was always played very seriously. It was like, no, no, no like this is a serious illness that affects your character and like affects how they make decisions, affects how they see the world, everything. But the pictures, the illustrations in one of the core rulebooks showed a Malkavian vampire with a fishing rod, like fishing in a toilet. (laughs) And so it became this thing where players would see that, new players would see that, and they'd be like, oh, like it's lol so random, you know, craziness, right? Like, Like Joker at its silliness, at his most silliest kind of thing. And... It was just such a, it became such a trope, right? That people started hating that particular class, that that particular clan of vampires. And it was a shame because the flaws, like if you actually did it properly, were really fun and really scary. Like it would tell you there's there's all sorts of like different hallucinations and things. I played a game where, I think I was, I, I was running this game, where uh, one of the characters was Malkavian. And I, I had it completely normal, except every time, every time they killed someone or every time they saw a dead body, uh, it would turn and look at them. And then eventually, like, the body started sitting up 
And so it was, it was progressing and progressing. And they're like, you guys are seeing this, right? And like, everyone's like, no, you're nuts. And uh, so you could do some really scary stuff with it. But what everyone saw was that, that stupid picture of the vampire fishing in a toilet. And then finally, external. External flaws can be a great way if you're not sure, like you don't want to have a dump stat. You don't want to like have some kind of mental or physical thing going on with your character. You can do an external flaw and external flaws can be things that just put pressure on your character, right? Maybe if you're playing in a modern game, you owe people money that, you know, dangerous people money and and that compromises what you're doing with your, your group. You could have loved ones in trouble, that kind of thing. Anything that changes how you behave to a detriment of you and the party can be a flaw, right? Vices are the 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 classic, right? You could classic seven seven deadly sins. You choose any one of those, give them to a character, boom, they've got a flaw. Virtues can as well, right? You can be too good of a person, right? You can you can give away something that you needed to keep. You can you can let your allies down because you're tending to your sick mom, right? Your flaws don't have to be things that are are weaknesses of like those those classic vices that we do they can be things that are great character traits loyalty right can be a flaw if it's loyalty misplaced a lot of things to think about there so i've talked to you guys for a ton here but of like the physical mental external what kind of flaws do you like to gravitate towards and what what do you like to see from players darcy would know because Darcy Ram, one of my one of my all time favorite characters, and this character made me realize I enjoy mental flaws. I enjoy that internal monologue, specifically a a unique kind of self doubt and loathing. Mm-hmm. Man versus self, it's mm-hmm. chef's kiss. It's classic. I've been enjoying expressing characters more so in my own head and letting that show out slightly over time. And and Darcy took this to a great extreme. I don't even know if it was intentional. I, you know what? I'm just going to say it was. It was 100% intentional. This character has a self-image problem. They, uh, they have this identity crisis and sort of they don't know who they really are. And they're sort of coping with that and trying to find ways to put it off, you know, distractions. Anyway, Darcy goes ahead and basically uh, under my nose makes the character uh, into a simulacrum. Like a homunculus, like a like a copy physical form of the real thing. And as soon as that revelation comes, there's a snap and there's a real there's that everything I thought I was has just everything I thought that I grew that I have tried to make sense of is gone. What am I now? Oh, my God. These people are questioning me. Get away, get away, get away, get away, get away, get away. And it caused this outburst amongst the group because they're trying to look for answers and they're trying to calmly you know, resolve and help, but like, no, no, you don't understand. My entire being has just been denied. What the, what am I? Who am I? I don't know anymore. Do I even want to find out? And it was, it was so wonderful to play through. I, this is a theming with my wizards too. I think I got a, I think, (laughs) I think I got a problem. This was my favorite bit of drama that I've ever uh, witnessed running a game. Like hands down, by the way, I had this wizard, um back home in sydney who had this um or like you said nathan uh it was sort of a good thing turned bad he's a people pleaser 
He bends over backwards to make things work for people. And one of his, one of his, well, he has this, the paladin in our group. He's virtuous. He wants to save everyone. And uh, my wizard goes, listen, you're my friend and I appreciate you. I think this is a terrible idea, but I will help you with it. And nothing good ever comes of it because he gives in to their bad ideas because he has to. That's just his nature. He has to help them. And she's like, okay, I'll just make up for it. That's fine. I'll just, I'll, I'll take the burden of, oh, you didn't think of that decision? That's fine. I'll do it. I got it. Don't worry about it. And he, he gives and he gives and he gives and he gives and it wears him away. He goes from this very cooperative, very agreeing person to this sour and cantankerous soul who has just put himself, his guts on the table, and they've just been stomped on repeatedly. And he's like, that's cool. That's okay. We can just keep going. No biggie. And I can't wait till he finally breaks. I like mental flaws. I like I like self-doubt and I love internal monologue. You know, man versus self. Yeah. Thumbs up. We have very similar tastes in flaws. As weird as that sounds, I didn't think I would ever say that sentence. Um, <laughs> but we have very similar tastes and flaws because I too am a large enjoyer of the mental flaws because it makes me think of a character's mentality. And, you know, <laughs> as a DM, it makes me think, how can I make them suffer? If they <laughs> but, at the but, <laughs> but, um, but as a character, well, who, who am I kidding? It's still, how can I make myself suffer? <laughs> but like, it's that sort of, it's personality forming in a way. I, I like having the, having that mental flaw because I mean, it's kind of what you alluded to at your first point there, Nathan, um, somebody who has it all together up there just seems boring to me. Like a mentally, a mentally stable person. I don't know. I just can't really <laughs> don't, don't read into this on any, uh, on my tasted people here. Um, but, uh, uh, but no, honestly, I just think it's a lot more interesting if people have like, you know, a doubt about something or an insecurity about something that it may have. And that could manifest in ways like in physical ways, like, you know, having a body image issue, for example, or having, say, or like feeling really guilty about do it about a thing that happened that was out of your control or something like that. Something that eats away at your psyche like that uh, can be huge for a character in their development. And to see them overcome that and come out of it, it's like, that is the kind of character that I really like to make. Well, it, it gives you, it gives you those mountains to climb, right? And it, it also gives you a, a precipice to fall off of, which is 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 really nice. The, the mental flaws are, are good because they're not always apparent and they're much easier to do for a game like Dungeons and Dragons than a physical flaw is. Right. Because you Dungeons and Dragons is a game about getting physically stronger a lot of the time uh, and knowing more spells and stuff, of course. But a lot of it is very easy to. So if you're. For example, you you lose a hand in Dungeons and Dragons. I'm sure there's a spell or something that can fix that, 
right? It's 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 a little bit less physical damage is a little bit less frightening in Dungeons and Dragons than it is in in certain settings. So that that mental flaw, that that self doubt, that bad decision making, that's much more difficult to overcome. And yeah, like as we've said, all of these things give you the possibility of more storytelling, more inter interesting interactions between your character and the world. And that's really what it comes down to, right? Is that you want to get more immersed in the setting and you need you need that immersion to come both from the GM, but you also have to kind of meet them at a point too. You have to give the GM tools to work with. One of my big things when ever I made a character with with my my old forever GM was that I would give him enough rope to hang me and the rest of the party in my backstory, right? I'm going to give you ways to destroy my character and maybe some others. <laughs> and and I'm just going to see what you do with that, right? Like and it it was always a thing where he's not going to immediately hang me. But if I walk into that noose a little bit, you know, if if I if I take that bait, right? If I and that somebody else might walk into it with you. Someone exactly. <laughs> um, or it it might be the type of thing too where just the circumstances. So I was I was playing uh, Geist the Sin Eaters, which is a, a game about your character dies, makes a deal with a very old ghost, and then you kind of g- gain some supernatural powers. You can see. You can see dead people, you can see ghosts, and you can either help them move along or you can you can kind of use it for your own personal gain and stuff. But it basically opens up this whole new world to these people. And he was a uh, ER doctor and his whole thing was like he was driven to help people like that was his whole thing. And he was like, I can do this. I can balance these two parts of my life. Right. This this new suite of powers going out at night and and helping people move on and also doing uh you know emergency surgery spoiler alert he could not balance those two things it's like and it cost it cost him everything because of that right like he uh you know the the head of the hospital starts getting suspicious right he, he starts there was one point he got arrested in a in an old building because they were uh they were running around with ghosts and stuff and so his his life starts falling apart but then as the campaign progresses like he starts to realize this he starts to realize that oh wait like i got a second chance at life i died i made a deal i got a second chance why did i think that my life would just go back to being the same Right. He, he realized that, no, 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 this is a new chance. This isn't an old chance. Right. Like, I can't keep doing both these things. And he basically like burnt down his life uh, and 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 basically by the end of the, the campaign, he had fully gone over to the, the side of, of dealing with these these ghostly problems and stuff. And uh, but that was that was this great this great fall and then rise. Right. And that was because of this, this flaw that he had where he was sure, like he was, he was exceptional and exceptional people can do anything. Right. (laughs) And so that was, yeah. And that was, it was so, it was so satisfying, right. It was so satisfying to, to ride that story out, to, to go on that roller coaster ride. Yeah, man, I could, I could talk all night about flaws that I've, I've given characters because they're, they're, 
just they they make they're the spice they're the spice that makes a character it's so good. true though we really should uh move on to our challenge though maybe i mean we'll we'll talk more about flaws because they they come up all the time but um before we we do that i want to open the floor to you too if there is any other uh examples you'd like to give anything else that we haven't talked about that you'd like to to go with before we move on tonight uh your flaws and your character secrets whether it be your backstory or anything but mainly your flaws, uh, are best approached when they're not only teased and confronted. Don't hold on to them. Spill your guts at some point, because if you hold, I gotta wait for the right moment to make this dramatic, it's never gonna come. There's never a right moment. You gotta make it, right? You gotta make it by doing it. So please, for the love of God, don't don't just keep your skeleton in your closet and be like, I can't wait till I find out. Because typically, people around a table, especially new folk, are interested in their characters, right? So you got to put yourself out there. Uh, and then, hopefully, especially since this is a collaborative in, uh, hobby, they will engage you. And then that'll encourage other people around the table. Oh, I also have this thing. And they spill their guts. And look at you. You're all spilling your guts and mixing your organs together, you freaks. Very well said. Mm-hmm. That was something that I wanted to touch on, too. It's like, it's very much so you create flaws to clash with other people's flaws in this regard and you and as a party you're not just one you're not just one person it, i mean sometimes you are but the majority of the time you're not you're in a party with a bunch of other people that have very different flaws and with through that you can cover each other's flaws and you can maybe find a common thread with another person. I liken it to Pokemon in a sense, in a, <laughs> in a, in a weird ass way, because like, you know, when you make a team, you make what you make it to cover each other's weaknesses. You make it so that, you know, if you have like this really tanky Pokemon, but you know, that might not be the best at attacking. Well, you have another one that's really good with that, that might not be the best at tanking. And it synergizes. And that synergy creates the solution to problems. And that makes an interesting story. It's when you, as Dylan said, the mixing of everybody's organs. Otherwise, if you keep secrets, you have what Dylan has been telling me with his uh with his with a campaign that he was in with a couple of my friends and you have you have a person who's really nosy who's holding on to you know I want to learn all of your secrets and, and that's kind of it you know and that that just makes people more annoyed at that all right well well said everyone mixing organs that is <laughs> that's our second shirt for playing the role mixing just organs you freaks mixing organs you freaks All right. Well, we're going to take a little break here and then we will be right back with the challenge. What's that? Robot blood. Always knew the industrial age would end in chaos. Be sure to tell the young woman that mother sends regards. Good night, campers. You are trespassing on SeaWorld property. What if these things can read our minds? They're going to be awful mad when they get to me. Welcome to the Video Cult. 
We're dedicated to bringing to light some of the most weird and wonderful movies you've ever, or never, seen. Dead teenagers' brains. What's really in there? Dead teenagers' brains. Cult classics, B-movie masterpieces, diamonds in the rough. Join Josh, Gabrielle, and myself, Nathan, for deep dives and scene-by-scene -scene breakdowns of these entertaining cinematic oddities. Are you wearing a condom? What? No, I didn't think so. Well, this is a safe sex zone, sir. So you're gonna have to move along. The first three episodes drop July 19th everywhere you get podcasts. Welcome to the cult. Dust off that VCR and don't forget your popcorn. Thank you. Have a nice day. Are you challenging me? Challenge me, It's really hard. The challenge. Are you up for it? Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that little break. Now it's time for the challenge. So this challenge, we wanted to do something a little fun, something to tie into the episode here. And uh, this is called uh, Redemption Arc. The uh, the goal here was to create a character for use in a modern setting. The character must have the following traits. A personality or physical flaw that led to a fall from grace. Having lost something or everything important to them. Have recently discovered something, a person, place, or thing that gives them hope. And possess a reminder of the time before everything went wrong. So we've got some interesting ones tonight. I'm going to start us off here. And uh, this is the uh, this is the the story of uh, of Marcus. Marcus just needed a win, something to hang his hat on. If you grew up poor, the kind of poor where you hide in the school library at lunch so no one asks you why you don't have anything to eat, then you'll understand. Life at home was tough. He had three brothers to contend with for attention, and his parents were stretched thin working multiple jobs. He grew up fighting. At home. On the playground. In juvie. He was always looking for that win. So when he meets a couple of older boys in juvie, Damien and Will, guys like himself, poor, hungry, angry, Marcus felt like he was finally understood. They made plans, made connections, and when they got out, they went to work. It wasn't much at first. They were small time, dealing where the city's big players didn't bother. It took close to two years and a half a dozen close calls with the cops, but they started making it, moving serious products, and making real money. Marcus began to feel like a winner. Money, respect, luxury, it was all there for the taking. He even brought in his little brother, Justin, and made him part of the crew. Marcus enjoyed his time in the sun. There were limos, VIP rooms, girls. He lived like a rock star and bought his parents a house and a Range Rover. He didn't know it, but that was going to be the beginning of the end. Marcus came from nothing. Nobody cared. That kept him safe for a while. Sharks don't eat minnows. It's not worth their time. But Marcus wasn't that little fish anymore and some of the major players started paying attention. 
It began with cash flow irregularities. Even criminals need accountants. And Marcus's crew had a good one. He realized that someone was ripping them off. Worse still, all the signs pointed to it being Marcus's little brother, Justin. A meeting was called at their safe house, and accusations flew. Marcus wouldn't hear it. Justin was a good kid and a good soldier. He wouldn't betray their trust. Tempers boiled until Damien, one of the original members of their gang, said that if it wasn't Justin ripping them off, maybe it was Marcus. That was the wrong thing to say. Marcus flew into a rage. That, one of his best and truthfully only friends would suggest that he betrayed them was more than he could bear. He viciously attacked Damien where he stood, and the meeting dissolved into a brawl. He fought both of his closest friends until, bloody and bruised, they heard the sound of sirens. The three men broke apart, scrambling to grab duffel bags full of cocaine as screeching cars came to a halt outside. Marcus made it out, escaping by the skin of his teeth. Damien and Will weren't so lucky. Marcus heard gunshots as he hopped over the chain-link fence, but he couldn't see what happened to either of his friends. He was hiding beneath an overpass when he got a phone call. It was Justin. His parents' new home had been burned to the ground. His parents had been inside. Marcus sat on the cold, hard pavement and cried for the first time in years. In the morning, the truth set in. He had lost. The only thing left was to find answers. To protect Justin and bring what was left of his family back together. Maybe if he lives long enough. Get revenge on whoever set him up. So that is the story of Marcus there. Um, so the obviously the redemption arc here is a, is a little bit of a dark one, but uh, I, uh, I I wanted to focus on kind of the 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 pitfalls of coming from nothing, getting everything, and living too large, and then of course it all uh, it all comes crashing down. I, I suspect this would be a good one for for a base world of darkness game, but any anything that has kind of like a criminal or darker undertone to it would be worthwhile. I think even you could go a supernatural thing with it like call of cthulhu or vampire right where maybe the the people who are really behind the his, the destruction of of his his gang and his friends are are vampires or cultists or something right you could go in all sorts of directions but anyway that's that's him holy noise Nathan. wow wow There's so many different directions from that oh gosh <laughs> i expected a lot of things but like gang fighting was not one of <laughs> All right. Wow. When you mess with drugs, you mm-hmm. get <laughs> you That's get right. the cartels. Yeah. This uh, <laughs> this challenge brought to you by Dare. <laughs> it's a deep cut uh, anti drug reference for any of you kids wow. who grew up in the nineties. Wow! I have. <laughs> there we go, Darcy. You just it. brought me back. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah, that yeah. Was... and I, I don't think I mentioned it in the story. His uh, the the thing that he's got is a uh, a, a picture of him and uh, Damien and Will, uh, kind of as they they're they got out of of juvenile and they're they're standing together uh, by like this beat up car, um, and just smiling, 
And uh, yeah, so that's that's him. And of course, the 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 person placer thing that gives him hope is that you know he's still got his brother Justin. He's still and, got his bro. I mean, assuming his brother wasn't in on it, which I don't know. I, it's up to the GM, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Does that bring him hope? Who knows? <laughs> is that hope misplaced? I mean, it does in the short term, at least. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that that could possibly be set up for a deeper fall in that. Which, whew, that's like multi-layered loss there. Yeah. <laughs> I also wanted to give him a bit of a temper too, right? So that that could get him into all sorts of trouble. You always know how to make normal people feel so extravagant. I. It's hard to follow this up. I'm going to be honest. I got something pretty mundane. I, okay, I took modern very literally. Very literally. Okay. Very literally. I have no crux of fantasy with me here. Uh, this is a this is a, a first person monologue, uh, which is a bit vague, but I will I will go into more detail after it is done. It's getting better. My shrink tells me it's getting better. Before we started last session. She had me tell her if I had any more outbursts that week. I tried dodging the question by bringing up my folks again, but she persisted. Honestly, I could have kept evading. <sighs> Not for the silence. Killer of all noise. So I budged. I still don't get that little journal she's been having me write in. She had me read it this time to show how I saw this encounter. Quote. He didn't get it. If he simply bought a second case, he'd be saving $10. That's basically robbery. If one case is $12, then that's nearly 80% off. Two of them for nothing. It was objectively the better option. Guy told me to mind my business. I felt it boil up inside me again. Like it did with Rodney. Only this time, I turned around and I made my way to the checkout. Unquote. She says to me after I read it, it's getting better. I don't see how. I still freak at these little things. I think I just don't have to fight me anymore. I'm getting tired of telling these folk how it's done. She says, have you been reflecting? I just stare. But the silence of her question left unanswered gets to me. So I budge. Yeah, I have been. I wish I could go back and make things better. She stops me and adds, not better. Right. Not better. I linger on the comment, but she's already off to the next point. She prompts me, what would you do differently? I look at her and ask if she means with the leadhead from the grocery store or Rodney. Get this. She has this look in her eyes and says, both. I can't fathom what a guy I don't even know the name of can be on the same level as what happened with Rodney. I don't want, <clears throat> I can't flip my shit in front of the shrink. So I fidget with what's ever in my pocket. It's one of Dudge's treats. I grip it. <sighs> I take a deep breath. I say, to let sleeping dogs lie. She smiles and says it's getting better. The drive home gave me lots of time to reflect. Sometimes I don't believe her. Sometimes. I take the shoddy elevator and head up to my door. Judge is there inside, waiting. He greets me with a jump of joy and a wag of his tail. 
I pour him a bowl of food and get his leash ready for afterwards. And as I sit down, I met with myself, drawn and framed, like how Rodney saw me. This ambiguous tale was brought to you by uh, Elise. He is this 30-year-old who had a falling out with one of his closest friends uh, because of his controlling nature. I actually wrote a physical flaw you would put on a sheet for him. The flaw is as read, doing things optimally is more important than doing it any other way. And so anyway, he he, he lost his friend and he, he went out and he, he tried to sort of find any connection because right now he's a friendless loser, uh, but it doesn't stick. So he gets the idea of owning a dog who he names Judge. And Judge is sort of this thing that uh, gives him a little bit of hope. It's uh, like it's like a friend, but, you know, it's in a way you can train it and you can tell it what to do and it can love you for doing that. And it's kind of perfect for him, for that flaw. It doesn't enable it, more so sedate it. This was the little recounting of it and, and uh, Rodney was his friend and the, the thing at the end there was a portrait that his best buddy made for him of himself sort of like this uh this self-ego staring back at him constantly and it's the only thing he has to remind him of what he lost because of his nature that's what i said it's this this guy (laughs) but he's just a guy he's just a dude the way that you when you were reading this it's very interesting. This is like the actor in me coming out here, but you kind of embodied this man in a very interesting way. I could feel what this character was. I could see it. Like, you know, this fidgety guy who's, you know, he's not, <laughs> he's awkward. He like, you know, he's frustrated. Uh, and it really, I don't know if it was intentional or not when you embodied this character in that way, but it was just fascinating to watch unfold. I could see it all. It's just like, oh, oh, this is this is the kind of person he has. Like all the little stutters and whatnot. You could feel that. By the way, real quick. Thank you, Darcy. Uh, It was Elias. My my capital I's look like L's. And I read it. I'm like, that's not right. Elias. (laughs) And the fact that That's you hilarious. read it out and you didn't... <laughs> I'm like, wait, oh no, I fucked up. That's okay. <laughs> you, you, you don't Oopsie, even remember the name of your kid. It's supposed to I show how much of a friendless loser this is. I, not even his creator. No, I haven't phonetically spelled. And I'm, I have messed it up. It's right here. I, <laughs> the, and the capital I that I put there that it auto-corrected to looks like an L. <laughs> I read it wrong. <laughs> Oh my god. Holy shit. Is- <laughs> I know you say that this character is is mundane, but there there's a magnificence about the the mundanity of, the, of this character. It's just a yeah, just a person dealing with their their own personality flaws, trying to kel- get help, realizing they have a problem, but not knowing if they could overcome it. I think it's it's a very real character. And like Darcy says, it's very easy to picture it. So I think that's a smashing success, Dylan. Absolutely. I would, I would put that character. I think that character would make an, an incredible NPC for uh, a game like with with some kind of information that the players need to to know. So they have to kind of figure out how to navigate him <laughs> or as a as a player character in a game that kind of delves into that that personal 
more personal aspects of horror like Call of Cthulhu, where a lot of it is about things happening to you mentally and being like, is this is this normal now? I love the portrait idea because that that's a that's a sure fired a plus for for horror potential, quite frankly. Uh, I love that. Yeah, it's really, really good. And the dog, it like, <laughs> you know, gives him some sense of hope. And it gives you stakes. Like, I gotta protect this. It's all there. Yeah, it's it's very human. I love it. Mm-hmm. It is. The design is very human. I am very <laughs> flesh and bone. <laughs> Normal human Dylan. Yes. Okay, this is Regular human, Dylan. human Dylan. So AI yes. Dylan is out there somewhere else at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I lost track of him. I'm sorry, guys. He'll turn up. Oh, no. <laughs> it could be anywhere. Help me. Help. Um, all right darcy Uh, okay let's do this uh yeah so like dylan i don't know how it's funny what dylan said to you nathan i'm now saying to dylan i have no idea how i could follow this up uh (laughs) we're too modest i'm waiting for the day where someone one of us is just like oh you thought that was a good story (laughs) you bitches (laughs) (laughs) wait till you hear this Royal flush on the table. Let's do- <laughs> I hope it's Darcy someday. That would be the best one, I think. Why me? Because you're the most mild-mannered of us. And it would be the funniest seeing that. I want to see that Darcy heel turn. It's like, your, your role-playing skills are weak, bitches. <laughs> Get ready for the greatest narrative on Earth. Holy it's shit. Duskblade Moonstar. Watch <laughs> out. You know... You say that, Nathan, but uh, the fact that... Okay, you might have... I'm just going to read this, and okay. you'll understand okay. why... And you'll understand why, like, what you said just now is li- <laughs> kind of like, hmm, interesting. Uh, but <clears throat> let me let me, uh, let me me set the stage here. Tracy? Did she even know that name? Surely it was not directed at her. After all, she was the magnificent Terra Rise, the femme fatale of the cosmic horror wrestling women's division, the baddest bitch in the business, practically the face of the company. At least, she was, before the incident. She thought it was just a bit, a way to... Retire another mediocre wrestler past their prime, and while giving her mad heat for beating up this legend, she thought those mourners at the funeral were just paid off to be in on it for the authenticity. She thought the police that came to take her away for desecration of a grave were just industry actors taking her backstage. She thought her seemingly deceased opponent would rise out of the grave and come back seeking revenge, saying something along the lines of, Not even death can stop me from taking that title. She didn't think she would be blacklisted from the industry for manslaughter and disorderly conduct. Blacklisted? Did they even know who she was? Well, was being the key word. They stripped her of everything, including the name. 
All that remained of her former glory was the novelty champion's belt she had purchased herself. How long had it been since anyone called her anything but Terra Rise? Who even was she if not the great magnificent Terra Rise? And yet, that answer was apparently right there. No one else was around, so it was her being spoken to. Tracy. The name felt so alien to her. Her entire life before she became a wrestler felt like fiction at that point. As she stood there in front of this woman claiming to be her sister, she wondered what even was fiction anymore. Tracy. That was the only reality left for her. Did she even remember how to be Tracy? What was she like? What was her demeanor? Was she well-liked? What was her objective in life? She didn't even know anymore. So she stood there, bawling into the shoulder of a sister she barely knew. The only person who would even look at her now without a hint of disdain or disgust. Even going so far as inviting her back home. Where was back home again? Perhaps it might be where she'd find whoever this person was. The woman known as Tracy. Why are you so modest? Yeah, what what are you talking about? Wait, what? yeah. <laughs> what? Jersey, we could we could spend an entire full-length episode dissecting that monologue. That 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 was the craziest shit I ever heard. Okay, so she she has lingering identity issues. She has probably some form of of guilt. If she doesn't, she clearly disassociates. She doesn't know who she is or or why she is beyond this this stage presence that she built for herself. Oh my Jesus. The 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 drama you literally incorporated wrestling, which is hilarious. <laughs> I, uh, that's I, why I said <laughs> I cannot even begin with this. This is why <laughs> I want to build a whole game around this character. <laughs> wow. Like, think about it. You could, man, the things you could do with this are incredible. You could have, you could have anything from like small town reconnect with your roots, like mystery kind of thing to, uh, like literally a game about wrestling and her, her trying to like get back in under a different stage name while dealing with this, like this other part of her that's just lurking there under the surface. Meanwhile, her family, her newly reconnected family is trying to stop her before she loses herself again, because they already lost her once and they don't want to lose her again. And she's just hanging on by a thread. This poor part of her brain that is, is, Oh my God, Darcy. (laughs) And you know, all that, all that started with just this, the the idea of like, you know, what if she got too absorbed in that character that she couldn't tell what was kayfabe and what was not at that point? Um, and, you know, some the wild shit that came with that. That story, it starts off 
wild, but then it gets very sad. And I love that. There's a there's a great just juxtaposition of being like, oh, well, these people were just they're just they're all actors. It's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I committed manslaughter. I don't know who I am. OK, yeah, that was that's a turn for sure. Oh, my God. Yeah. Darcy, this is how I, I don't know how you didn't think you could follow because you could have led. Yeah. This could be all it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Terrorize. How long did it take you to think of that one? Oh my god. <laughs> I was proud of that one. Yeah, it's a good it's a good wrestling name. <laughs> right? Yeah. Wow. All right. Age old question. Yeah. Did they play well together? Fucker <laughs> oh thug. I- Terrorize. <laughs> Guy. Dude. <laughs> I think it would be. <laughs> I think it'd be interesting it enough. Sure I'd would say, be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like, I can't even imagine a conversation between these three people. My new friends. Look at my yeah. new friends. <laughs> so broken. <laughs> but at the same time, these people would probably have a lot to bond on as well. A lot to somehow relate with each other on as well. You know going to prison or like <laughs> fucking you know <laughs> going to prison <laughs> what a great relatable thing that we can all kind of collectively agree we've done right <laughs> yes i've gone to prison no not what i meant but <laughs> but like I understand. but like they have similar there's there's been similar the paths that have been crossed there sort of yeah in a in a a sense yeah yeah i think i I think dylan's might be the the tougher one to 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 get in there but i i think i think we could do i mean poor poor dylan might just be at the wrong place at the wrong time to to meet these two uh, (laughs) no kidding yeah wow (laughs) so guys great job with this i am i am flabbergasted very cool characters here i think each with with their own very unique and uh, uh life-changing flaws one might say so i think i think we have done it justice here and uh jesus it's gonna take me a while to get over that character darcy so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to leave it here for tonight thanks so much for listening I, this is probably going to be one of our our longer episodes but as you can tell it's a uh, topic that's near and dear to our hearts here and uh, we appreciate you coming along with us on this as always if you like anything on the show characters concepts ideas that we throw out steal it steal it all oc please yep. steal mm-hmm. please steal. steal it all mm-hmm. and uh, until next time thank you so much for listening to playing the role we'll see you next time thanks for listening if you like the show please give us a five-star rating on your podcast platform of choice and don't forget to share the show with your friends family and that eldritch horror lurking just out of sight you can connect with playing the role on facebook to see upcoming challenges and news <laughs>